Hello and welcome to Conversations from the ANF podcast. In this episode, we speak to adoptive parent and author, Sarah McGough. She shares her experience as an adoptive parent and is open and honest in relation to her challenges in getting through the process and having her child move in. Sarah also shares how and why she decided to write two books, and we've included the details in the notes. As always, if you've experience of adoption, fostering or special guardianship from any perspective, personal or professional, and would like to share that on the podcast, please do get in touch through either our Facebook page, Twitter, or you can email us at the anfpodcast at gmail.com. My name is Sarah McGough, and I am an author of two children's books, and I am a book coach. Excellent. Um, now, the two books, uh, which we might as well, we'll just dig deep and go for, as, imagine this is some sort of <laughs> Why promo. Not? Why the hell not? Is the Flamingo Family book series, which is Eddie Finds the Family and Eddie Feels at Home. They're books about adoption. So why have you written two books about adoption? So we adopted our son um, quite a few years ago, and I thought there was no books out there that would d- describe it um, to to him. And I felt a bit uncomfortable as a mummy. So it was very much the case that I was thinking about what I could do. And we got into lockdown. It was lockdown in 2020. And I decided um, that I was having a conversation with one of my friends and I literally decided that I was, um, he wanted to write a book and I thought, oh, that's quite a good idea. Why don't I do that? I've got a bit of spare time on my hands. And I went away and thought about it for a little while. And then in the end, I started to think, well, actually, there was two books that I had in my head, but it felt very right at the time that I should go down the uh, adoption route and start thinking about looking at that in a bit more detail. So I started to write it out. Um, you know, and I asked my son to help. Um, he was quite little at that time, but it was nice to get him involved. Um, and yeah, it, it kind of came to life. So Eddie, Eddie finds a family was, was born and it, I mean, it took about six months for me to get it out there into the world. But once I'd started, it was mine and my husband's and my son's story. Um, and I wanted to get it out there. And I could see that I was getting a lot of really good feedback about um, putting it out there a lot more. And it was just really lovely. And I could see I was getting more excited about it. And yeah, it was just very much the case that I, I wanted to First of all, I wanted to help my son. That was my initial aim. And then I could see how much I could help other families and other children to understand. And not just adoptive children. It was very much the case. I can help all children understand adoption better. So, so yeah, so Eddie Finds a Family was born in 2020 and I launched it at the end of that year. And then I got the writing bug. <laughs> Excellent. Well, we'll move on to that. I'm gonna I'm gonna sort of pause there because you've already you've, you've sort of piqued my interest, and I've got questions. So if you're comfortable to talk about it, can you tell yeah, me what brought you to adoption? Because it's not, you know, it, we there's lots of mythology and lots of cultural stuff around, you know, adoption. But what brought you, and you know, what was that experience like? Well, me and my husband were trying to have um, a child and it wasn't working as we hoped it was. Um, So we went down the the IVF route um, and sadly that um, became quite difficult and it was quite a traumatic experience. Um, Mm. 
And I'm very open to sharing, you know, we, we went through, I had an atopic pregnancy, um, you know, emergency surgery. It was all very quite, quite hard going. And, um, and in the end it became a lot about me and, you know, saving me and and everything else. Um, but we still wanted to have a child and we did go through IVF a second time. Um, and that didn't work. And then I think by that point, it was like five years on um, and we were like, okay, our time is ticking a little bit here. Um, We need to we need to consider um, other options. We'd spoken to our consultant um, and interestingly, he had um, an adoptive child. So he had um, it was it was lovely to talk to him about it, really, because it really kind of opened our eyes a little bit more. So he had his own birth child and an adoptive child. And it was just lovely how how he described that to us. And then we walked came away we were kind of dealing with uh, you know the grief of 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 that loss we did feel that quite a lot at that time um but you know i think i was a bit more um keen to progress the adoption route i think my husband was a bit um he was kind of not quite sure about it he didn't it yeah. didn't sit sit that well with him at that point um so basically he we went to an adoption open open evening um, I think I, I went and looked for them and kind of um, decided, kind of got him to come along with me. And then all of a sudden, it kind of it was like the it it dropped for him. It was very much all of yeah. a sudden. It was something that was quite clear with him that it was something that he could that he could do. There was um, a same sex couple that was there that had brought their their child with them, and it was just lovely to watch um, them interact and. And then, yeah, it just, we asked questions and then it went from there really. And um, so we, we contacted our local authority and and we had to wait a little while because you have to do the whole um, IVF um, break. You have to wait to make sure you're processing all of that, um, that that loss, I guess, and that that grief. And then you, and then they let you um, go on to the next stage. Can I ask you about that? Because we, I mean, a lot of, people i suppose the majority of people still come to adoption having sort of navigated a journey of infertility um and you know it sounds like a really you know you've, you've articulated really well but um i just thought that some of that some of that stuff sounds really tricky <laughs> yes <laughs> you know? yes and and even the you know go away and process all of that you know that that <laughs> what what do you how do you do that you know what what do you do you go in sit in a room or do you you know go and read a book on? <laughs> yes what, what does that look i mean like? it's yeah i mean it's interesting because at the time certainly when we went through the atopic pregnancy and we you know we'd lost a baby um mm. it was very early on but i think at that point we we kind of were more concerned about me at that point. And I think even even when we talk about it now, it was very much the case that we didn't really process the fact that we'd lost a baby. I think we were more interested in the fact that I I was still here and alive. Yeah. Um, and I think my husband was, was very much, you know, we were very, very upset about it. But I think, yeah, it's difficult, isn't it really? Because yeah, it's true. How do you, how do you process that? How do you put that to bed? How do you put it in the, in the drawer never to come out again? Mm. Um, you know, to turn the key and, and that's it. And I think, you just have to kind of come to terms with that that kind of and i think what we did was that's that's what's meant to be and i think certainly now we have adopted our son we see that that 
that was exactly how life was supposed to plan out. Um, we wouldn't have met our son if we hadn't have gone through that. I, I do see that very clearly. And I think yeah. that, um, that, you know, and I think, oh my goodness, you know, we would have never have met him. And I can't quite believe that. <laughs> yeah. So in my head, I think I've, I've kind of dealt with it um, because of what I have now. Yeah, and I'm not digging for, you know, your, your innermost secrets. But if you want to yes. share them, that's fine. <laughs> um, you know, makes for a great podcast. So you go away and you deal with grief. You go through the 10 steps of dealing with grief um, yes. that you're given. Um, the work yes. Don't wait and do that. Um, and so then you return to the process. And what can you, you know, do you have any sort of reflections on that process? And, you know, what the good, the bad, the indifferent what was it like having social workers or, you know, all of that kind of, you know. I mean, it was a bit of um, a whirlwind to begin with when we had to do the the four weeks of, we had to go on a course for four weeks. Um, so it's every Wednesday we went along for a day and we, we sat in a room and we were talking about adoption and it was getting us kind of used to the idea of going through the adoption process. And obviously they were throwing things at you that were kind of a bit okay and, and trying to get you to, to see things um, in the true reality of, of what children have to go through. And, you know, we, we sat there, we talked a lot and we were with other adoptive, you know, potential adoptive parents as well. So we kind of made friends with them which was lovely um, because we were all going through the same thing so it was quite nice to do that but at the end you were like okay and then I think I mean certainly now I think we were quite naive to the process and, and what it would what it would do and what it what it had you know what how how we involved in all of that I think we yeah. were we were quite naive to it I mean quite quickly after that, we did get said that we could go through to the next stage and we had to, um, you know, have the social worker come to visit um, and you do all the things, um, you know, make sure your house is pristine and um, tidy, um, <laughs> clean it within an inch, um, go through all of that. And, you know, and they we didn't do the whole baking bread and, and cakes um, scenario yeah, to make smell it smell of nice. Coffee. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, and the whole kind of feeling of sitting down and, okay, this is really strange. Um, and then having to go through that very, very personal situation of, mm. you know, me sitting there by myself with the social worker, talking about my intimate um, secrets, you know, things that I don't really share with other people, um, you know, and literally feeling that you're having to answer every single question about my, my life, you know, boyfriends that I had when I was 17 and and yeah. all kind of stuff like this. So it was like, okay. Um, that I don't know why that's relevant. But <laughs> yeah, did, it, did it feel like just, well, I'm here now. How did it feel going back through some of that stuff? Yeah, I think it was, I mean, certainly some of it, I could see the importance of it. So I could definitely, you know, if I'd been in long-term relationships or, um, you know, if I'd lived with somebody, um, I, I could kind of see that that was, you know, the built, you know, it is my relationships and how I am in my relationships. But I think when they were starting to maybe dig a bit deeper into um, people that I dated for for a year and I didn't know where they were um because about the you know the references to um, we need to find them and I'm like no please don't <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I don't want you to. Um, but yes, it was just a little you, bit. Um, but you can't say strange. no. Can you, it is odd, and, and is that yeah? In a normal, in a normal context, you would push back against some of that stuff. But did you feel able to? Because there's a you know they've got they hold the keys, don't they? Yeah, I think I did to a degree. And I think certainly, I mean, certainly I've spoke to people now and it feels um, maybe a little bit more um, stricter than it was when we, when we went through the process, certainly. Um, but yeah, I did think that we could push back a little bit um, and kind of say, you know, what, why is that relevant or ask the question? Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, we were very open. So it was very much the case that I was very, very open. Like I'd sit there on my own talking to the social worker and, you know, she would and I would literally tell her things that maybe she didn't even want to know. And I was just telling her them anyway. Um, and then the same with my husband. He was obviously uh, spoken to separately. Um, and then you feel a bit like, OK, we've, we've got to make sure we're telling the same uh, same thing. It was a bit like an interrogation occasionally. But I think um, I can see the, ne- the necessity to do yeah. that. I can see how important it is. Ultimately, it is a little child's life and they have the responsibility to make sure that child is being placed in the best home possible. Yeah. So so I can see. It, but I think when you're in the moment, you're kind of kind of a bit like and, you know, we had to go through hoops uh, quite a lot and you know, we had to do things that we'd done once before. We'd had to do it again and and all of that kind of thing. Um, even when we adopted our son, it was very much we had to do the um, the DBS check because it had run out. Right. Um, so all those things, because it had taken so long, because it actually took us three years. So although the bit at the beginning was very quick, yeah. Um, and I actually had to go through surgery in between all of that. So we had to have a bit of a pause for a few months while I recovered. But ultimately, it was quite quick. And I think we actually went through the process when it changed. So it was supposed to be like the six month thing yeah. that was very quick rather than I think it, it used to be a year. Um and then we thought, okay, now now we're going to have a child. Um, it's going to be really easy. And and no, it wasn't. <laughs> well, that's really interesting because I think that I've seen more and more um, just, you know, looking on social media, seeing that time for people is just really difficult, you know, because you've, you've put a lot of effort and energy and enthusiasm into this decision you've gone through this process and then you sort of fall up, but you know, almost fall off the edge of a cliff. Like now just sit in the pool of adopters and we'll cast the net for you. So were you, I mean, were you involved with Linkmaker? Would you, how would that matching process, how was that for you? Yeah. I mean, we were very excited. Um, you know, I can, I can remember feeling, oh my goodness, we've got the, the tick to say that we're allowed. Um, so we were very, very excited and, you know, jumped on link maker straight away. And then we were like, okay, what, what do we do? Um, you know, how do you, um, kind of select or, or deselect children? And I think we actually went to, a um, like an open, it's not like a like a recruit. It, it felt like a recruitment fair, but it was very much one of those ones where you go along and there was loads and loads of um, like stalls, uh, like literally with children on each one. So they were obviously coming from uh, actual all the local children or names of um, children. So pictures of children. Oh, I was say, so, just, you know. 
yeah not, that's quite not a different event <laughs> that's a very different <laughs> sort of event um yeah so so it was all the local authorities that were coming along and they all had yeah. their own separate tables their stands and they had the the pictures of the children that they had um currently and some of them had videos of them and etc and you walk in there um very excited and then soon become very overwhelmed and mm. quite I think quite anxious and not really knowing what to do. And we didn't have anyone to kind of tell us, um, you know, they weren't holding our hands saying, you know, this is what you should do. We went in as two adults going, okay, what should we do? And in the end, we came away, I think, with about 25 profiles um, thinking, I don't know. And then you think, well, I don't want to put one of them in the bin because it's a a child, Um, you know, and you go through all of that kind of emotion of, well, how am I supposed to be selecting this child? Because I know when you look at a child and it's just human nature, you go with what they tend to look like. That's your natural attraction. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's it's very natural. And then you read um, more about them and you have to decide whether you can, you know, it's the right match. You can cope with their potential additional needs, the support that they need, um, any trauma that they've been through. Um, and you read their stories and it's it's heartbreaking. Um, and you have to kind of take all of that away yeah. and then sit and digest that. And um, we did find it very, very difficult. And what happened was we were being quite selective because we were told to be selective. Um, and then what started to happen was that we were being um, told no. So every time we'd go for, um, you know, we'd, we'd pick a child, we'd get excited about the child. It was like, yes, this is what, this is, it feels right. Um, and, and again, it sounds horrible to have to it's pick, you know, to pick brutal. a child. Yeah. It's just not, not nice at all. And uh, we went through that and, and then we were, you know, getting excited and we thought we'd get closer and then we'd be, oh, sorry, you're not, you're not the right match. Um, but then it started to get quite difficult and, uh, and we started to feel a bit uncomfortable. I think one, at one point we were told that we weren't matched because of of the color of my hair. And, uh, I started to go, okay. I didn't know that was part of the criteria. Um, so anyway, we can change this, that if we need to. Yeah. And this isn't my natural color hair. So, um, you know, it's like, well, okay. Um, and then, oh. so we started to be, so rather than saying no, we started to say yes to all children. So any 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 ones that we were being sent by by email, um, what you know they were asking us to look at them, we would just say yes to to all the children. So that's yeah. we kind of changed our tack, and then that didn't really make a lot of difference either. Um, and I think we actually were started. We wanted a sibling group to begin with. Um, what were we had for? Yeah, we were approved for two for two children. Yeah, and so we were like, okay, um, and that's again something that because obviously siblings can be hard to um, to to get matched or adopted. So um, we thought that was kind of a good thing, um, and then it went to the point where we actually 
was starting to kind of go, well, is this ever going to happen? I don't really understand what's going on here. And we did complain to social services. We did speak to the managers there um, and it kind of wasn't really happening. We went to a few more of these little recruitment things and um, but they were a lot smaller. Um, and then I think there was a lot of change in the in the courts mm. uh, at the time where um, a lot more children were being um, asked to go to their to sort of their 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 grandparents and yeah. and you know and all of that. So it was kind of stopping the adoption orders coming through, and it was becoming harder. Um, but in the end, it had been like two years or something. And we were like, well, OK, I don't really know if this is ever going to happen. So we actually did complain and we 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 put a complaint into our MP. Um, that because some we courage. Felt, yeah. And it felt a bit like, OK, I don't want to go against what's happening here. But I at the end of the day, I feel like that me and my husband can give my ch- uh, child a, a loving home. And I don't really yeah. understand what issue is um and it felt like we were kind of not really moving forward with social services the way we wanted to so we did complain to our mp and Can then I ask him about because yeah. you you're you're very you're a very good orator and you're telling a story very well so i'm gonna have to interrupt you to kind of ask questions as you're as you're peaking interest but so yes is in those two years is there this sort of creeping suspicion that there's something wrong with you or they're not telling you something um, I think it was that there were they weren't telling me something. I think very much. I mean, interestingly, um, I have epilepsy, so I knew that that would be a little bit of an alarm bell um, for um, for anybody. So, and I think we asked the question a few times, and it was like, no, 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 that's that's not the that's not the issue. I mean, ultimately, I could have my own child. Um, and yeah. uh, I still have epilepsy, <laughs> so yeah. I can't, um, you know, I can't get rid of it. Um, so anyway, yeah, we went to the MP. He then wrote to social services. They then had to deal with deal with his um, letter and reply to him. Um, I don't think they were very happy about that, particularly. No. Um, and then they came round our house and were a little bit defensive. And um, then we got a new social worker. And you're saying all of, all of that with a smile. It's like this happy little story. And I was thinking, <laughs> I bet there was some white knuckles through all of this. Yes, there was a few. Um, um, you could see the kind of like tenseness um, going on and uh, yeah. trying to backtrack a little bit. And um, in the end, um, so we got given a new social worker and um, that was the, the change that we needed. Right. Um, all of a sudden, um, you know, she was very, very alert. She was very engaged. She was interested in what yeah. we what we needed to do. You know, she changed our profile. Um, she told us that the reason why we weren't being chosen was because of my epilepsy. And um, All right. So, we, so it's not a go. thing. It is a thing. <laughs> yeah. And she said, you know, and we have to say the right things. We have to reassure yeah. and we have to, obviously, I understand that you have to put the child's needs first, but um, 
There's things that can be put in place, et cetera, et cetera. And it wasn't, again, that I was having, you know, my, my epileptic fits are like once a year. So it's not like it's something that impacts my life every day. Um, but but they knew all of that. But anyway, so we, we, we got this super duper social worker and, um, you know, I'm still in contact with her now. She's amazing. And um, basically within... I would say maybe three months. Um, she phoned us and she told us there was a little a little boy that was going to be born. Um, and then the next day there was another one. So we had like two <laughs> to, oh, to try and deal awful. with at that point. Yeah, and we were like, okay. Um, and um, yeah, I remember being quite taken aback by it. Uh, mm. And in the end, we we went with the first because she rang and spoke to us about the first child. So we went with the first one that she told us about. So we felt that was natural. And then, yeah, it just was like a, a whirlwind from there because I think at that point we had said, if it doesn't happen this year, we're going to stop. Um, me and my husband had been very yeah. clear that we'd had our, it felt like we'd had our life on hold yeah. for the best part of eight years near enough by now because we'd, obviously been trying for a child for five years. We'd been through the adoption process for three years and we like, we can't keep our life on hold forever. Um, something needs to happen or we just need to let, let it go. Um, yeah. and, um, and he happened <laughs> and, um, it was wonderful. And, you know, we got the call when, when he was born and again you know it's one of those things because they tell you you know never expect a, a very young very young mm. child it's very hard to get um you know a brand new baby um they i remember when we went through the process they told us that you know your the age that you want of your child should be higher so we had to raise the age of the child to about 5 or 7 because um obviously babies are difficult and um yeah, so we we were told when he was born, and then. Um, so was that a they, foster to adopt arrangement, or was it? Uh, no, actual, it wasn't. Right. No, they they did consider it, um, but they thought that it would be a little bit difficult because then you have the contact with the birth parents. So yeah. they felt um, that it wasn't um, appropriate this time round. So they decided against it. So he went into foster care like in like day two of being born. And then um, we met him the following, the following year um, after the adoption order came through. And then it was just weird because, um, you know, you're telling people about this. I mean, obviously everyone that we knew knew that we were going through the process, but it's kind of like a waiting game. Even when yeah. you're at work, you're kind of, you know, I literally had to give them a week's notice to leave, um, to go on maternity leave. Yeah. Um, whereas normally you have like a, a big bump and it, it's like a gradual process. So, um, so yeah, so we were told we were, we, we met the, his foster carer, um, beforehand, uh, in a cafe. And then we, um, gave her a little, um, a little toy and a little blanket to um, to give to him. So we chose little Paddington Bear, which is very um, something that we still have in in our life mm -hmm. now. It's very lovely and a little blanket which he still snuggles with. And um, and yeah, and then and then we sat down and we we mapped out the 
the the whole introductions. Yeah. Um, and that was going to be over eight days. Um, and then, yeah, and we met him for the first time. And I still remember it now, kind of, you know, it was just so surreal. Yeah. <laughs> it's very surreal. <laughs> People often talk, I think that that is a, you know, that is kind of the moment, isn't it? If you think right back, that's the moment that we're all aiming for, isn't it? That that kind of like that connection, that final connection. And so yeah. you, you describe it as surreal, but... A lot of people have a lot of different responses to that. You know, it didn't necessarily meet up to the expectations. And how is it for you? How is it for your husband? Um, I mean, we had photos of him, which was lovely. So beforehand, um, we had some photographs and I was very keen to, um, you know, we'd had connections with the foster carer and she was great at sending us videos of him beforehand. And I'd go, can you send me another one? Can you send me another one? And I kept sort of hounding her to send me more more pictures and images of him and things. Um, but on the actual day, so yeah, it took a little while for us to drive to to, to where he was. Um, <laughs> I was I was desperate to go to the, to the loo. <laughs> So actually, my husband was the first person to meet him because I didn't want to go into the room kind of like jumping around. Um, so he was the first person to right. to meet him. And I and I walked into the room and he was holding him in his hands. And I was just and we've got a lovely photo of that of that moment of us mm. kind of holding and him kind of looking at us kind of going who are you? <laughs> yeah, not unreasonably. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he was very little, you know, six, six months old. And, um, yeah, it was just uh, a remarkable thing. And, and again, we, I think we were only supposed to be there for the first, like an hour, I think, um, because they're obviously conscious of, um, you know, not to overwhelm him. Um, it's quite a big deal. Um, and I think his foster carer had said, you know, he's a bit wary with 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 new people. He will always come back to me and always look for her. And um, we didn't have any of that, so he was he was quite happy to be with us in in our arms. Um, it just felt very natural. And in the end, we stayed for two and a half hours, and we were feeding him. And we've got videos of us and we were just like, um, <laughs> it was just like such a uh, strange, and we kept going boo, boo, boo. And we were just kind of going into that zone of being parents that have no clue what we're doing. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. That's, you know, I mean, and it, is, it, it sounds like it's better, it was better than you could have possibly hoped for. Yeah, no, it was lovely. It was really very special. That, that first meeting was, yeah, very special. Excellent. So you then, you travel through, tra you transitioned um, towards moving home and, you know, any sort of thoughts on that? Was that, a, was that a positive experience? Was it, again, you're still waiting, aren't you? You're neither here nor there. It's this, this grey world, isn't it? Yeah. And it was very, it was very tiring because obviously we only had eight days notice. So we had eight days notice to change our house and also to meet a baby. Um, so we were going to meet him, driving to see him, spending more time with him. You know, the second day we took him out um, and we had, again, didn't have a clue what we were doing. <laughs> we're yeah. like, what do we do? How do we change his nappy? Um, you know, how do we know when he's hungry? Um all you know, we couldn't figure out the car seat. All of those things we do remember very well. And all the things um, you'd spent years convincing people you knew how to do. Suddenly, yeah, <laughs> I've, I've totally empathised with that. Yeah, 
Yeah, and it was just kind of like, okay, and how do we hold him? And you're just um, very paranoid, I think. Um, and, you know, he, he cried on the way back and how do we stop him from crying? Um, yeah, and we go through all that emotion. And I think that we were, it was such a, it was just like a whirlwind, like a complete whirlwind of eight days of us going to see him, then trying to get our house sorted, painted by mm. the cops go to mother care, get a pram, all of those things of, you know, what, what clothes does he need? What nappies does he wear? All of those things all of a sudden become a massive priority. Um, and we were exhausted by the end of it. We were going to go out for a celebratory dinner at the end and we ended up going to Nando's <laughs> because we were too tired. <laughs> Welcome to parenting. <laughs> exactly. So, um, so yeah, so on the, we, we went to Nando's and then the next day we went to collect him and we, and it was very emotional. Mm. Um, you know, the, the foster carer was a very emotional. It was her first ever foster, foster placement. So, um, that was quite hard for her. Um, lots of tears and, you know, lots of us saying that we would keep in touch and look after him and, you know, we still sent yeah, and we still and we still send her photos. She doesn't see him any longer, but we still send her photos of him every now and again. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was it was just very emotional. And then we kind of come back home, and it's like, okay, <laughs> we have a we have a baby in our house. It just settles. <laughs> yeah, and then you're told, um, you know, not to have contact with any mm. family or friends for two weeks. And again, that's kind of not natural. It doesn't feel natural at all because, you know, when you bring a baby home, it, it's normally a celebration and you you always have your friends and family round. Everyone's fussing about you and, you know, it's seen as this great thing. But it was very much, you know, you're not allowed to see anybody. Um and I think then uh, we started to struggle. I think um, at that point we we were kind of we felt very isolated at that at that stage, mm. and and we found it quite hard. I think it was very much that um, I wouldn't say the bubble burst, but I think that we we definitely started to struggle um, just because we felt that it was um, you know a lot of transition. He was he was great in the in the daytime. He was amazing in the daytime. At nighttime, it was just a completely different story. He he wasn't sleeping. He wasn't settling. Um, we were trying every which way to get him. Um, you know, to sleep and it was very hard. And obviously a, a, a sleep deprived um, parents, um, it's not yeah. good. <laughs> no, it's interesting because I think that is um, is a really vulnerable time for a lot of families because like you say, we've got one message is stay away from all of your normal supports. Don't be normal. And then this really, this magnifying lens upon you. Because again, you've got social workers, you know, you've, as I, I think I said, you know, you've You've spent years convincing people it's going to be fine and all of a sudden it may not feel as fine as it you'd hoped. Yes, yes. And obviously you have the social workers coming around your house all the time. And again, you feel like you're on display a little bit of, you know, I have no idea what I'm doing <laughs> as a as a new parent. Um, you know, I'm a new parent as any other new parent that brings a baby home from hos- hospital. Yeah. Um, I'm still a new parent, uh, no matter how old they are. And um, it was very much the case of I can't reach out to anyone that I would normally reach out to to come around and, and help. Um, and then, 
Yeah, and then they were coming round to check, and you feel a little bit like, okay, I am I doing this right? Um, you know, you feel like you're you're being kind of judged a little bit, I guess. But that's more that that's what I'm thinking rather than actually mm. what they're thinking. But uh, but you get a bit paranoid about about that, and um, but yes, I mean it was, and again, you know, my husband then goes back to work. Um, and then I'm left by myself, <laughs> um, and having to cope with being a, a mummy on my own. And again, my, my friends, um, most of my friends either have grown up children, um, or, or they don't have any children. So I don't hang out with mummies, um, that have little mm. children. Um, so then again, that becomes quite a strange thing for me. Um, and I had to start to learn to, to try and find new friends, um, to yeah. go to baby yeah. groups. Um, and, and, you know, that takes a little while to get used to. Uh, I definitely think it took us a little while. And I think it was still a good six months or so until we still start, we really started to settle down and, mm. and you know, the social workers were still coming to see us quite, quite often. Um, yeah, and it was just us getting used to being a family, us getting used yeah. to to him, him getting used to us. Um, it takes a little while to transition, I think. So, um, I'm conscious. I've used up loads of your time, so I'm conscious. Skip forwards to how you are now. Are uh, uh, amazing. So um, we are a very, very happy family, and we love life. We love sharing each other's company and you know having our son is just a blessing um just the most amazing he's just the most amazing little boy and you know he's so um you know full of life he just he just enhances our life i i hmm. see so much you know we see things through his eyes um and it makes our life so much better hmm. um you know, and it's and it's weird. You know, we've we've taken him to. I mean, we we're lucky enough. We've taken him to Disney, and he talks. He gets very excited about going to places. But we used to do that as a couple, um, but now we do it with him, and we see it through his eyes, and yeah. we we experience things through him learning and and teaching us as well. And uh, yeah, I just think we've clicked into place. It's just it's lovely to be a family of three. He very much. Um, you know, we, we are his mummy and daddy and, um, you know, we tell each other, we love each other very, very often. Um, and you can see, you know, of course there are things that are, that are questionable to him. So he will yeah. ask us questions. Ten, it tends, we certainly started to notice a bit more, I think round birthdays. Um, and I think we had a conversation with him, I think it was on his fifth or sixth birthday and um, he just came, we went out for dinner and he said to me, and my husband had gone to the loo, he said to me, mummy, whose tummy was I in? And it was just one of those questions that really um, catches you off guard. And, um, you know, I, I talked to him, I, t I told him and... Um, it was like, oh, okay. And then he and then he starts talking about something else. He starts talking yeah. about um, you know, Mario or or Thomas Tank Engine, and he just that's one question and then that's fine, you've answered it, and that's fine. Yeah. And you do get those questions um from him. So, you know, he sees um he has um siblings, so he does see them, um, some of them. Um, and again, that can 
bring up lots of different questions. He gets very excited to see them, um, but he can see that he gets a little bit anxious about seeing them as well. And then it's the saying goodbye. Um, but then he'll then say to us, oh, it's a bit complicated having brothers and sisters, isn't it? I, I just like it, just the three of us. Um, so he'll say things like that. Um, oh, you know, it's much more fussed. You know, it'd be too noisy, wouldn't it, if we had more? Um... <laughs> I, re- I recall just... my children when they were little, my three eldest children. Um, my son, he's, he was only 20 months when he came to us and his, his sisters were a bit older. And one day he turned around and he went, you know, I have no idea why you adopted those two. <laughs> yes. Life would be much better without them. You go, yeah. 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 It's funny how they how they rationalise it in their in their head. Um it's it's interesting. And you know, you see, you know, we've had conversations with school. Uh, I mean we've we've to- we've been told that, you know, children that have been adopted can struggle with school a little bit a little bit more. Um so we're quite conscious of that um he, he may he needs a little bit extra support mm. um you know there's there's children in his class that are adopted as well so it's actually quite nice um i know that they seek each other out and they they talk about things quite quite openly together so so yeah but it's um it just feels just normal i mean i i volunteer for adoption uk so we do go out so i'll say to him we're going out to see um children from adoption uk and he'll kind of know that that's the scenario that we're going into, um, and yeah, we talk about we talk yeah. about it very openly because obviously that is something that you should do, um, yeah. and we're told that from a very early age that yeah. it's not a surprise, it's not a secret, it's not something you get told when you're eighteen or yeah, you know, it's something that needs to be talked about. And um, so that leads me into your book. So in, tell me what inspired you because. You know, normal people don't sit down and write books. It's you know, it's, it's an it's an endeavor of love and you know, heart heartache, isn't it, to write a book? So why did you write a book? Um, and what you know, give me, a, tell me what the books are about. And what's that? What was your aspiration for them? Well, I guess um, as I said at the beginning, um, I just had this idea. Me and my friend were speaking about writing a book, and then I went on to uh, Facebook to go, well, let's see how I can write a book, and then I. Um, I found Michael Heppel and um, he helped me to write my book. So he's kind of like a motivational speaker, um, coach, um, and he did a course called Write Write That Book uh, and I joined it um, in 2020. I see how that works. (laughs) Yeah, I joined it. It's like Facebook knows what you're looking for and then it tells you what you need. Um, (laughs) Not always, but... uh, And yeah, I decided um, to to go on the course. Um, I had a bit of free time, and I think I was just in that place that we'd we'd moved house, and you know, I, I was very happy with where I was. But I felt that I still had more to give with regards to um, helping my son understand adoption. I think that was my driving force. Very much, he was the person I was writing it for. He was my why. Um, and, you know, and as I say, it was our story. So it was very personal to to us. So it was quite easy for me to write it down. It was, you know, it took two weeks for me to write the, the main part of the story. Right. So Eddie, Eddie Finds a Family is about Flossie and Frank, the flamingos, who can't have a chick of their own. And Eddie Emu is in foster care looking for a loving home. And um, and basically the story is about how they find each other and become a family. So 
but it's quite unique because it tells the story of both elements. So rather than it being just about the child, um, it's telling the story right. from the parents' perspective as well. Um, and I wanted to make sure that that was um, portrayed because it is tough for the adopt the adopt people that adopt. You know, it is tough from that perspective. Um, and also what the child has to go through. It's quite important that people understand what these children have to go through in their in their tiny lives. Mm. Um, you know, they don't choose um, to be um, adopted. They don't choose to be taken away from their birth families. Um, it's not their choosing, but um, sadly, sometimes it has to happen. And um, I think, yeah, with the story, I wanted it to be because it's so sensitive, it's such a sensitive um, yeah. subject, but I wanted it to be, you know, fun and powerful and engaging for children. So mm. that's why I created the very colourful characters, um, you know, and you have the, you know, the Herbie Hippo and the Stella Stork, um, very cliche of the the social worker. But, um, you know, I just wanted to make it a little bit more fun so that children would really connect with it because, the adoption books that I'd seen when we adopted our son, I remember social services giving us a book and it was just sort of a grey faced child. Um, and I didn't, I was like, well, how on earth is any child going to connect with that? It just wasn't, it was like a grey book and it just didn't have any kind of feeling to it at all. And um, it wasn't something that I was excited to read to, yeah. to my son at all. Um, and it was like the thing, the, the book that they gave out with every successful adoption and I was like well, that shouldn't really be the book that goes out with with every child so um I kind of wanted it was kind of my mission to um to educate the world a little bit more um and I again I, I don't I never want it to be it's not just for adoptive families it's it, I would like it to be for all children because I think it's a lovely story um and all children should know about adoption. So it's something that's talked about in the classrooms. Yeah. Um, it's something, you know, families are made up in very different ways. And uh, I think it's something we should embrace. Um, and it shouldn't be a topic that's, that's whispered and, and not spoken about. Yeah. And has it, has it had a good response? Have people, what are people saying about it? Have, you know, people embracing it and yes, buying it? Yes, it has. I was amazed. I mean, the first book I'd ever written, you know, it's quite scary as, a, as an author. I when can you imagine. First... <laughs> you don't know how it's going to be received. And, um, you know, you, you build up your, your connections, your, your network, and, um, and you send it out to lots of people. And I had like pre-orders for it. I got quite a lot of people interested um, and then you start to get the reviews back. So there's actually loads on Amazon now. I think there's about 145 reviews um, on Amazon for wow, my first book. that's a lot of reviews. Book. Yeah, and, you know, most of them are five stars, so I can't really complain. Um, and I was lucky because um, my social worker got me in touch with the CEO of Adoption UK and uh, she read it. She wrote a review on the back of the book um, and then that did really help. And on the second book, um, Eddie Feels at Home, I guess it's a slightly more niche book because it is very much about the, um, you know, the child that's been adopted coming home. So Eddie yeah. comes to home to live with Flossie and Frank and the ups and downs of, of that. Um, you know, it's not going to be just plain sailing. Yeah. He's not going to move in and everything's going to be hunky-dory and fine. Um, there are things that, 
you know, he's going to find difficult and also the parents are going to find difficult. So that is more about him settling into his new home. And, um, and yeah, and Adoption UK endorsed that book. So I do give uh, money to Adoption UK for every book that's sold. So Excellent. Uh, Excellent. Good yes. sales technique there as well. I see what you did. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, no, I mean, I think from my point of view is that um, I, I know that some people, not all people, but some people struggle to kind of, how do I start the conversation? You know, where do I, what, give me a hook. I'm happy talking about it, but I, you know, not sitting my child down and saying right today we're going to talk about but this feels like a a way that's really accessible and as you say the um the eddie eddie feels at home it gives you the opportunity to maybe explore things that are a bit more complicated and a bit more difficult so i yeah really like them as books um thank I you thinking, i was thinking back when we you know when we adopted back in today back you know 20 years ago plus <clears throat> excuse me there was it didn't seem like there was anything like that it was very staid and it just seems like that yeah I mean, every adopter should be sort of given us something like this you know one of your books well let's just go let's lean into it one of it should be given this book yes yes i'd love that to happen it would be amazing yeah. and i try very much to connect with you know different um adoption agencies and i'm i'm trying to get it out there much more you know i'm on social media quite often um you know doing these um you know having these opportunities thank you very much um always does help to get the word out there um, but yes, it would be lovely. I, I, I want to go to schools. I want to encourage, um, you know, all children to understand adoption in a better way. Um, you know, and it is a very simple, you know, I made sure that it was quite simple. It was quite hard with the words. You have to make sure that children understand what you're writing. Yeah. And I think some of the pages are a bit wordy occasionally, but I think that again was important because I don't think you can describe adoption in less necessarily very short sentences. Yeah. I think it yeah. has, and how Eddie was feeling at the time. I again, you know, he was asking lots of questions, and and a lot of that, you know, some of that stuff in in the book is reflective of what my son would would say. Mm -hmm. I remember him having a conversation. Um, with me and I said talk to him about um, our social worker um, and I said oh that's who found found you for us and his reaction back to that was was I lost mummy um, and again it's just a simple thing of the the, the way that I say it to him mm -hmm. was I lost mummy um, and it was just you know and I, I did put it in the book because I felt it was so important because that is how a little child is is feeling um, yeah. so you have to be very careful how you phrase things and how you talk to your children about, about these things. But Absolutely. yes, I wanted to, um, just make sure it was quite, quite easy for them to, to understand. And, and my son is a, is a great editor. So it was very helpful having him <laughs> because he would say to me, it doesn't make sense. <laughs> ruthless, ruthless. He needs to yes. work on his, in his, in his, you know, on his personal skills, interpersonal skills, <laughs> let you down gently. Um, <laughs> yes. I've used up loads of your time. I really appreciate. Um, is there anything that I haven't asked you that you was hoping that you were hoping I was going to ask? Or because it's been you've been really open and honest about you know your experience, which is really really helpful. And I think people will really appreciate some of that candor. 
I think um, the only thing I would say, and I think we did touch on it briefly when we were chatting before, is just about how much uh, my eyes have been opened in the last few years. So obviously I've I've become a little bit more um, you know prolific in in the adoption world, yeah. and I I'm in lots of different groups now, and I you know as I say I volunteer for Adoption UK etc. But very much that um, I spoke to, um, I've made quite a, a lot of friends from other adoptees. So adoptees, um, yeah. and it has really opened my eyes to, I think I probably was a bit, a bit naive when I first started out, um, you know, understanding my perspective from a parent. But actually when I speak to adoptees and also slightly older adoptees about how they feel, how it has made them feel, it makes me really understand what challenges my son may have when he gets older. Because yes, he's very happy at this point. He displays mm. being very happy. And um, a lot of people will say to me, well, it's, and they do. <laughs> and sometimes I'm not quite sure how to respond. But there's nothing wrong with him, though, is there? Uh, you get those kind of um, things. And they're trying to yeah. say it in the in the nicest possible way. But I it kind of really gets my back up when uh, people say that. Um and even when, yeah. you know, he was allowed to go to school um, over lockdown and um, some people would say to me, um, but why is he allowed to go to school? <laughs> I said, because yeah. he's a looked after child. Uh, but there's nothing wrong with him. Why does he need that? Um, but yes, it's all those kinds of things. And it's about educating other people um, to maybe think about before they speak. Um, and also, I think it's also educated me a lot about understanding that yes he may display that he's perfectly fine but when he gets older and he starts to understand exactly what's happening and what has happened um you know when he becomes a teenager um it may become more complex at that yeah. point uh, and it and it makes me ready for that it makes me feel more prepared and more ready because i have a better understanding um from talking to adoptees i think it's very important I mean, I think that's that's an that's a really good place to kind of put a full stop, isn't it? Because I think that is yes. what a lot of a lot of us adopters. That's a journey we're on, isn't it? And we're working towards. Yeah, learning um, all the time. Yeah. So, where can we get your book? <laughs> so it um, is available uh, via the Flamingo Family website www.theflamingofamily.co.uk. Um, and it is also on Amazon, so you can buy it in both places. Excellent. And I'm on Instagram and Facebook. <laughs> You're down with the kids. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to be. I haven't yet ventured into TikTok yet. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, that's, yeah. I, I, I can't there. recommend that at all. Um, Sarah, it's been fantastic to speak to you. Thank you so much for your Thank time you. and, um, and you really much, wish you well with your book. Thank you. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Bye. Bye.